0: Thanks for finding us and tuning into this podcast this week presented by Beef O'Brady's in Tampa on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue, as well as Hank's Barbecue and Home Slice Pizza. Enjoy the podcast. Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team.
1: It's my quarterback. The okay. kick. It is. God,
0: God, To so beat the man, you gotta beat the man.
1: The two one.
0: Swung line drive, left field. One
1: run again! nil. Captain Green.
0: This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Welcome into the Powers on Sports Podcast. We have reached the end of the regular season in the National Football League. We now know the seven teams in the AFC and the seven teams in the NFC and what drama we had on the week 18 schedule. Not a whole lot of great games, but the couple games we had some drama. There were some uh, very, very interesting finishes. Starting off number one and first and foremost, Lambeau Field, Sunday night football. The Detroit Lions go into Lambeau and shock the Green Bay Packers. Uh, The Lions were eliminated earlier in the day when the Rams lost to Seattle in overtime. Out in Seattle in the 4 o'clock window, full credit to Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions for going into Lambeau, playing hard, coming back. Uh, they were down, came back. Big drive late in the game by Jared Goff and company. And the Detroit Lions get it done 20-16. to 16. And once again, Aaron Rodgers comes up short in the biggest of moments. The last three years has lost three straight home games. Whether it was a playoff game and this was a de facto playoff game. Aaron Rodgers comes up. Light at home in Lambeau, and the Green Bay Packers are eliminated. Lots of speculation of what Aaron Rodgers' future is going to be. Potentially fifty-nine million dollars on the table for Aaron Rodgers next year if he doesn't if he doesn't play. Will the Packers trade him? Potentially, will they keep him? Uh, what will they do with Jordan Love? Because again, Jordan Love's going into year four. You got to make a make an evaluation on Jordan Love here probably next year, one way or the other. So uh, no playoffs for the Green Bay Packers this year. The again, the Seattle Seahawks slide into the seven spot. In the playoffs, they will head to San Francisco. We're going to preview all six wild card games here in just a few minutes. So um, in, in the AFC had the drama with the Patriots, the Steelers, and the Dolphins, and the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Cleveland Browns. Unfortunately, which extended the winning streak for Mike Tomlin. Somehow, some way the Pittsburgh Steelers had a winning season at 9-8. I don't know how, with that, with the team that was around them and the way they started out, give them give Mike Tomlin and that team full credit for hanging in there. Kenny Pickett's played a lot better the last six, seven weeks of the year. The Miami Dolphins get into the playoffs as the seventh seed with a ugly, ugly, ugly nine-to-six win over the New York Jets. Both teams start a third-string quarterback, Skyler Thompson for the Dolphins, Joe Flacco for the Jets. Uh, Sanders kicks a game-winner in Miami late in the fourth quarter to win 9-6. And then, of course, you had the terrible bad beat if you had the Jets plus 3.5 on the last play of the game. That turns into a safety. So, uh, terrible beat there if you had the Jets plus 3.5. But the Dolphins get in the playoffs after the New England Patriots, who were valiant in, an eff- in their effort in Buffalo, Again, remember Buffalo, the first home game after the DeMar uh, Hamlin situation. You knew the emotions were going to be off the charts there, and boy, were they. Two kickoff returns for touchdowns by Naheem Hines. Uh, Josh Allen finally gets it going, the, and the and the Bills pull away and beat the Patriots 35-23. Again, valiant effort by the Patriots. They played pretty well for about three and a half quarters. Uh, the Patriots eliminated uh from the playoffs with that loss and the dolphins slide in the, the side door with a 9-6 win. So, in the in Buffalo will now host Miami in the wild card round as well. So, um, there's your kind of your drama, some other drama at the bottom of the league uh, circling around the number 1 draft pick, who was going to draft number 1? Houston came into the day with the number 1 pick. They went to Indianapolis who had the number 3 pick. And what a wild finish in Indianapolis. Apparently Lovey Smith uh, was either told before the game or told minutes after the game that he was being fired. So you knew Lovey Smith wasn't gonna pull, you know, wasn't gonna pull any punches. How about the Houston Texans converting a fourth and twenty <laughs> down seven with about fifty seconds left in the game? A miraculous fourth and twenty. They complete for a touchdown. And of course Lovey Smith goes for two and they make it. So the Texans Forfeit the number one pick by winning. The Chicago Bears then lose to Minnesota. Now the Chicago Bears will be on the clock with the number one pick. Houston goes to number two, and the Colts stay at number three. Just a, uh, you know, you know, bad deal, raw deal for Lovey Smith. Again, not that Lovey Smith's the long term answer in Houston, but this Houston franchise is just turning into a dumpster fire. Fired David Culley after one year, now Lovey Smith after one year. Good for those guys for getting another three years of pay out of the Houston Texans. Uh, you know, two veterans of the of the coaching profession, Cully and Lovey Smith. Um, probably both will be done coaching. I would imagine both guys are in their mid sixties, uh, so I would imagine those guys are probably going to be done and just and just sail off into the sunset and collect that check. Good for them. Uh, but we'll see what the Houston Texans end up doing. Cliff Kingsbury fired by the Arizona Cardinals along with the GM Steve Keim. That was kind of a you saw that writing on the wall several weeks ago. Once Kyler Murray, uh, that that whole situation, plus there was some speculation throughout the year that there was uh, some friction between Kingsbury and Murray. Obviously, you had the clause earlier in the offseason – early in the season about the study habits of all that of all of, of Kyler Murray. Um, was there a clause in the contract, and then it got removed and all that stuff. So that was a uh, kind of a situation. You knew that if they didn't win games, they were going to be done. Uh, Kingsbury and Kime are going to be in big trouble there. But again, shame on the Cardinals for last year extending both Kingsbury and Steve Kime. Like for like a five-year extension to both those guys, and then you fire them one year later. So they're going to be eating a ton of money uh, with the Cardinal organization, with the with the Bidwells. Um, but it uh, be interesting to see where, where Cliff Kingsbury ends up. Probably won't be a head coach in the NFL, but very likely could be an offensive coordinator. Uh, either at the college level at a big at a big program or even potentially in the NFL could be an offensive coordinator there. So we'll see where he how he ends up and how his career kind of gets tries to get back on track. Shout out to JJ Watt for retire, on his retirement. What a what a what a job by JJ end of the year with two couple sacks. Uh, just a consummate professional Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. Two I think he was a three time league league defensive player of the year. So tremendous career JJ what good for you you'll see him on TV I'm sure uh, in a studio show doing some TV work he'll be pretty good on TV so I could see him having a pretty good personality and then you have Sean McVeigh the drama around Sean McVeigh all signs point that he's probably gonna he's probably gonna leave the Rams for a TV job. Uh, you know, sounds like he's kind of burned out. I, it, what I don't like about what Sean McVay's doing is that he loved it when when the Rams forfeited all their draft picks and all that and went for it. But yet, when there's a little bit of adversity and a little bit of down, knowing there's going to be a rebuild in Los Angeles, he pulls the ripcord and and, and and parachutes out of there. You know, um, you know, if he really is burnt out, fine. But I, I don't I don't love the way he's handled that. Uh, all the good and none of the bad kind of deal. It's the first kind of year that he's really had a dumpster. You know, did not the team did not play well. The record was really bad, and obviously they've given up all their draft picks. So, uh, the hottest coaching commodity out there is going to be uh, Sean Payton. You've seen him already set up interview. You got interview requests from several teams: Arizona, Denver. Um, you will see it probably a couple other places. Um, he will be the big fish for the. Uh, the first domino to drop probably for the uh, in the coaching carousel here as we move forward. A couple other names to be on the lookout for Harbaugh. See what Jim Harbaugh does. Does he re-enter the NFL? Uh, you're going to have some other guys. There's going to be a surprise firing. Two teams to be on the lookout for: Chargers, Cowboys. If both those one or both of those teams lose on Wild Card weekend, would not shock me if 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 the losing coach loses their job, especially if it's, you know, uh, game management situation with the Chargers, with, with Staley. You know, to me, if you're the Chargers, if you're going to make a move, this is the time to do it because you got Sean Payton out there that you could team him up with Justin Herbert, and you could form a very, very strong coach-quarterback duo. I know Staley's more of a defensive guy. Um, don't know what his relationship is with Herbert, but again, if you're the Chargers and you want to make an impact in the Los Angeles market, this would be an opportunity for you if, if they lose in the wild card game to make a big run at Sean Payton to pair him up with uh, with Justin Herbert. Same thing with Dallas. the You know, the Cowboys, all the winning, they've done a lot of winning in, the, in a regular season the last few years with McCarthy, give him credit, but they have not gotten it done in the playoffs. And again, is that, a, is that all McCarthy's fault? No, um, but he might be the one to take the fall if they were to lose Monday, if they lose Monday night in Tampa in Tampa. Uh, which I think they're going to lose. Don't be surprised if McCarthy's let go. And again, Sean Payton's name will be high on that list. Jerry Jones has always had an affection for Sean Payton. He used to coach uh, for the Cowboys under Parcells. Um, So those are the two spots to be looking at this weekend as far as teams that lose that could potentially make a coaching change. So um, that's uh, the interesting part of that. Again, we're going to have Coach Jim Levitt coming up here in just a few minutes. He's going to break down the Georgia uh, TCU national title game. We're also going to talk to him extensively about preparation for the wild card. Coach Levitt used to be a linebacker coach for the San Francisco 49ers in, during the heyday with Jim Harbaugh in the mid-2010s uh, when they went to the Super Bowl with Kaepernick and those guys. So he's going to give us a real good breakdown of what it's like pre- preparing come playoff week versus a regular season week. What are these coaches doing? The the focus of the players, schemes, strategies, how you handle different things during the week, game days, how things are just different during the playoffs than they are during this or regular season week. So you'll enjoy that conversation with Coach Levitt. Again, giving you some great coaching insight about what it's like to be on an NFL coaching staff preparing for playoff games and such. So before we get to coach, I want to go through the uh, playoff matchups the wild card matchups give you an opinion on each of the games saturday seattle heads to san francisco will be the third time they played san francisco rolling into the playoffs with brock purdy he's i think he's won his first five starts seattle uh slides in the the back door with the green bay loss they come in as as a seven seed geno smith had a really good year um tough be a tough matchup for the Seahawks I think I know Geno's had a really good year but again I think it's going to be a really tough matchup to go to San Francisco to beat beat them I know it's a division opponent so you know each other pretty well but I just think the San Francisco defense is going to be a lot to handle for the Seattle offense and I think that offense is very diversified I think they got a wide range of guys that can that can that can gouge you with Kittle with Ayuk with Debo Christian McCaffrey got a lot of weapons in uh, San Francisco. So I think San Francisco wouldn't shock me if this game's a little closer than people think just because of the division uh, awareness and division uh, familiarity. But I'll take San Francisco to to, to advance to the divisional round. Uh, Second game Saturday night in Jacksonville. Jaguars figure out a way late to beat the Titans last week on that Saturday night with a defensive touchdown. They win the AFC South. They're now going to host the LA Chargers in Duval with Trevor Lawrence Jacksonville in the du- in the Duval County. Uh, bowl there in the Gator Bowl. Uh, LAs about a two-point favorite, which is a little surprising. Uh, but you got Herbert coming to town. Um, will Mike Williams be able to play again Herbert, I mean uh, Stanley played a bunch of his starters way into that game last week. That game last week was meaningless for the Chargers. You had uh, Bosa go out of the game with, with a nicks and bruises, and then you had Mike Williams with a back injury leave the game. Um, again, that's another reason why I think you could see a potential coaching change, is if a guy like Mike Williams can't play and they lose, Staley's going to be blamed for that. That, that. That's irresponsible for him to have played Mike Williams as long as he did in that game last week. And I know you can get hurt on any play, I get it, but those guys should not have been in the game in the third quarter last week in Denver, and they were. So... That's another narrative to, to, to be a storyline to be on the lookout for is if they lose and Mike Williams doesn't play or is very ineffective because of the injury, that will be a black eye for Brandon Staley and potentially out the door he goes. Here comes Sean Payton potentially. So uh, I think this is very much a toss up game. You got Trevor Lawrence. who did not play very well last week. Both these guys first playoff game, Herbert and Lawrence highly touted uh, high draft picks here in the last uh, couple of years. I'm gonna. I, I think somehow, some way, the Chargers are gonna find a way to win. Close game. Give me the Chargers by a field goal. Uh, 23-20 kind of game uh, in Jacksonville. I'll take the Chargers and Herbert to find a way to get it get it get it done with Aaron Eckler, Derwin James, Bosa, Khalil Mack uh give me the chargers to 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 find a way to get through on Saturday night. Sunday in Buffalo, Buffalo hosting Miami, looks like Skylar Thompson is going to be the quarterback for the Dolphins. No Tua has been ruled out with the concussion issues. Uh you have all the emotion with DeMar Hamlin who's now back in Buffalo and out of the hospital. You will probably see DeMar Hamlin at that game on Sunday, whether it's on the field and or in the in the uh owners box upstairs. But again, don't be surprised when you see uh Damar Hamlin in Buffalo on Sunday. I think it's too much of an avalanche for the Dolphins to handle. The Dolphins are about a 10-9, 10-point 10 underdog. I think they're going to get blown out in Buffalo. They played well a few weeks ago, but they had Tua. Uh, I just don't think Skylar Thompson's going to be able to score enough points. They lost Mostert with a with a thumb injury. Uh, Buffalo's pretty healthy, so I, I, I think you're going to see Buffalo pull away from Miami and win by. Couple touchdowns minimum on Saturday at one o'clock, four thirty Sunday. Interesting game, Giants Minnesota. Giants are the sixth seed. Minnesota's the three. Uh, they played about three four weeks ago. If you remember, Greg Joseph kicked a sixty one yard field goal at the gun for the for the Vikings to win by a field goal. Uh, the, the Minnesota comes in as about a three point favorite. You got uh, the underachieving, overachieving Giants. Excuse me, Daniel Jones, new coach Brian Dayball. You got a new coach in Minnesota with O'Connell. Um, I think too many weapons for Minnesota on Sunday. I think Cook, uh, Jefferson, Osborne, Thielen, Hawkinson, and Kirk Cousins is going to be a little too much for this Giants uh, defense. I'm not sure the Giants are going to be able to score enough to stay in the game. They did score late to to, to tie the game last time, but I think Minnesota's just got too much firepower. Um, Both teams pretty much had a bye week last week. Um, but I do think Minnesota minus the three. I like this as, a, as if you're if you're playing games. This is to me this 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 line is too low. A lot of love on the Giants nationally. A lot of people think the Giants are going to go in there and win. I know they got Barkley and they got Daniel Jones playing better, but I just don't know if they have enough firepower on offense to keep up. I think Minnesota will will win this game thirty to 20, 30 to twenty one, something like that would be my my pick, and I'll take Minnesota in advance. Sunday night, Baltimore at Cincinnati. Got a rematch from last week. Kind of a fluky part of the schedule. Uh, the Bengals win the division last week by beating the Ravens. The Ravens play their third-string quarterback last week, Anthony Brown. Sounds like Lamar Jackson's not going to play this week. It's not confirmed, but that's kind of what where the, where the thing is going. Uh, Huntley, we, we don't know about Tyler Huntley yet either, so we're not sure who the Baltimore quarterback will be. Cincinnati's about an 8.5-point favorite at home. Um, again, it's a rematch game from a week ago. I, for whatever reason, I think somehow, someway, Baltimore is going to hang around in the game. I don't think they can win. They're going to win the game, but I think they're going to cover the eight and a half. Um, again, you got Burrow, you got Chase. Uh, not any significant injuries from last week that I know of from the game, but we'll check the injury reports later on in the week. But I do think Baltimore will figure out a way to hang in there uh, with Hunt, especially if Huntley plays. If Huntley plays with the running game, Mark Andrews. I know their receivers are not very good, but Baltimore somehow finds a way to hang around in these games. So I would uh, figure out a way. I would take Baltimore in the 8.5 if Huntley plays uh, to keep it close. But I do think Cincinnati will advance. And then Monday night in Tampa, Brady, Prescott, the Cowboys, Jerry Jones. Monday night football, Aikman and Buck will be here. Um, Will this be Tom Brady's last game ever? Will this be Tom Brady's last game as a Buccaneer before he goes somewhere else? Will this be Mike McCarthy's last game as the head coach of the Cowboys if they lose? A lot of drama and a lot of storylines here. Dallas, a a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, which, which, you know, which very surprising. Remember the Bucks went to Dallas in week 1 and beat them 19 to 3, really shut down the Dallas offense. Remember Dallas coming off the lousy performance last week in Washington, Prescott, more interceptions, more turnovers. The Bucks played pretty much a meaningless game last week in Atlanta, though they did play their starters, especially Brady and the offensive guys, a lot of the first half and and you know, moved the ball pretty well. Um Bucks Plus two and a half is a, is a, something I like a lot. Um, I think Brady at home on grass uh, sounds like the Bucks are pretty pretty going to get pretty healthy. Potentially Ryan Jensen back at center, who's the guy he has missed the whole year. Uh, a lot of chatter that Ryan Jensen might play this week. Donovan Smith, Tristan Wirfs are back. You are going to get guys back on defense. Vita Vea, uh, Carlton Davis, most all those guys. So if you listen to Tom Brady's podcast. You heard a you you heard a sense of optimism about the health of the team, and I don't think he'd be saying that if he wasn't sure what was going on. So I'd be very surprised if the Bucs are not very healthy uh, on Monday night. Again, Dallas is a good team. If you got to contain that running game, if you're the Buccaneers, if you're the Cowboys, you got to f- figure out a way to get pressure on Tom Brady because if Brady's got time to throw, he's going to carve him up. Mike he and Mike Evans are back on track. Chris Godwin's playing well. You got a Kate Otten. You're gonna have a Julio Jones most likely healthy again. So again, this could be a more a high scoring game than people think. Uh, the defenses are good, but they're not great for either team. But if the Bucs can block the front four of Dallas, there's going to be some opportunities to to, to exploit that Dallas secondary and that Dallas back end because the uh, other than Trayvon Diggs, the other the other side corner is not very good, and Diggs can be had too on some double moves, things like that. And the Bucks' defense can be had. Their pass rush is not great. So, again, Dak can get some productivity with CeeDee Lamb, Gallup. You got Schultz at tight end. And, obviously, you got Zeke and Tony Pollard running the ball. So, wouldn't shock me if this is a little more high scoring than people think. Uh, but give me the Bucks 31-23, 31-24 kind of final against the Cowboys Monday night in Raymond James Stadium. So, there you have it. You got the Eagles and the Chiefs that are off this week as the number one seeds. Um, so they're resting. They'll, remember, they'll play the worst seed left in both conferences. So whichever the, the lowest seed remaining is, is who the, those number one seeds will play. Um, from a scheduling perspective, my only hope is, because it will be totally unfair if they do this, you cannot make the winner of the Monday night game, Bucks-Dallas, play on Saturday. The winner of that game has to be in a Sunday game. For any kind of fairness, if they put the winner of that game in a game on Saturday, that will be the ultimate unfair move by the NFL. Uh, They need to make sure that doesn't happen because that will not be a uh, good look for the league if they do that. So I encourage you to go out and read that article by Don Van Natta, ESPN investigative reporter. He wrote a great story about the hour and 15, hour and 10 minutes between when DeMar Hamlin collapsed. And them canceling the game, all the backstory of what happened, uh, all the chatter between the NFL and the teams, Goodell, Troy Vincent, uh, a lot of lot of uh, interesting stuff came out during that hour and ten minutes about how the NFL came to the decision, about why was ESPN broadcasting that they were needed, going to give the teams a five minute warm up, and all the things that went into finally canceling that game. So. Check that out on ESPN. Don Van Natta Jr., great investigative reporter. A good article about all the the comings and goings about that situation. So, uh, Jim Levitt coming up here in just a couple minutes. We're gonna take a break, hear a couple commercials, and then you'll hear Jim Levitt talking Georgia TCU as well as some coaching, organizational preparation for playoff football in the National Football League. We'll be right back. Now a word from our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions as well as Star Alvarado, our realtor, here on the podcast. If you have any buying and selling needs anywhere in the Bay Area, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She can help you on the selling side or the buying side of any real estate transaction here in the Tampa Bay Area. From St. Pete to Tampa to Wesley Chapel and anywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. And print and marketing solutions. My guy, Todd Tedesco, 813 498 2887. Todd's located on the corner of Line Ball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. Todd can help you with all of your print and supply needs corporate events, golf tournaments, signs and banners, marketing pieces, color copies, anything in between. Todd is your print and marketing specialist. Again, print and marketing s- specialists. Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. All right, welcome back. Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason. We are going to, with very much a lot of pleasure, we're going to talk to Coach Jim Levitt. We are going to review the national championship game where Georgia makes some history last night in Los Angeles, wins their second Back-to-back national titles in a row with a convincing, overwhelming 65-7 win over TCU. We're also going to preview some of the NFL wild card games this weekend. Coach has got a lot of experience in the in the NFL playoff wise. He was with the 49ers uh, several years ago when they made their runs to the Super Bowl with Coach John with Jim Harbaugh. And uh, so we're going to get his thoughts about just the preparation during a wild card weekend and such. And then a little, little, like I said, a little chatter here on the uh, national title game. Welcome back coach. Well, it's good to be back. It seems like we haven't been together <laughs> for a little while and uh,
1: a lot of, a lot of big games, you know, TCU, you know, getting by Michigan was, you know, I thought they had they, Michigan played poorly. I right. uh, made a lot of bad decisions, coaching decisions. And, um, you know, it just it just hurt him, and it was kind of part of the fairy tale or the Cinderella story. You know that TC was riding ever since they ran out there, and kicked that game-winning fugo against Baylor. You know right. when the when the clock was running down, right? And um, but you know what they they beat Michigan, they got into the title game, and it just all just ran out of gas,
0: right. I mean, anyway, what's it, and let's start with the TCU perspective. Obviously, going into the game against Georgia, you knew TCU was going to must have to play the perfect game—no turnovers, efficient on offense, catch a break or two in special teams potentially—and none of that happened early. They fumbled the ball early. They went three and out early. And Georgia jumped all over them from a from a you know. Do you, do you think even Coach Dykes made the comment? He thought his guys maybe were a little overwhelmed early in the game. He talked about it at halftime with the reporter that he thought maybe his players were a little overwhelmed early. How – what did you see just watching the game? Did TCU, their guys, look like they were just overwhelmed early by the moment?
1: Well, you know, they they came back. They were down 10-0. They came back and scored. And it was 10-7 right. on a busted covers by Georgia. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, obviously, Georgia just – you know, the thing is is a couple things. One, the offense coordinator for Georgia did a great job.
0: Terrific. You know,
1: they, they, they ran a lot of boots. You know, and they kept, you know, and the quarterback moves good enough to buy time. They ran some counter. They ran some trap. And they ran a number of foul routes or wheel routes that really was tough for TCU to defend. And the quarterback had time to throw him. And the quarterback was that good. I mean, he's, he reminds me of Grothy, you know. I mean, he's, he was, he's just a football player. Right, and then they ran the quarterback run play, was huge. You know, the quarterback scrambling the one time on third down ten, that he that he ran a boot, a naked boot, and he outran the defensive end, and got the first down. And then also on the uh, touchdown run, you know, he ran for two touchdowns. Um, I thought the you know they didn't run that many plays, but what they did was they are well thought out, well schemed, and the quarterback was very good. And then give a lot of credit to the one receiver and a tight end my gosh
0: that tight end what, that what tight a end is, is. yeah that that tight end that's the one thing i noticed that Munkin really really focused on doing he didn't get a lot of touches last week against ohio state they made it a point to get brock bowers involved very early and like you said they gashed him on some wheel routes and he was a major focal point of that offense in that first half
1: you know i also thought there was a couple bad calls you know like a holding call on the big tight end because his has hands out Right, you know, he probably assumed that he was grabbing him. I didn't think he held him. Right, and then there was another holding call that I didn't think was holding at all. You know, but that's my opinion. Uh, you know, that's enough of that comment. But I, uh, it wasn't obviously officiating it had anything to do with the game. But uh, you're right, Monkey did a great job. He he did a really good job. You know, that three three defense is interesting. I, um, it's just uh you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, uh, uh, a deal where, you know, people can exploit them, you know, with that rush and all that. And, you know, they, they want to stop the run, but they couldn't. So, you know, I don't know. It was, um,
0: and you really saw Georgia's dominance physically. Their defensive line just overpowered that offensive line for TCU. You saw the offensive line strength of Georgia. I mean, they were getting seven, eight yards a carry on offense. And like you said, against a lighter box, a, a quote-unquote 3-3 three, three box, which I know you know can give us a better X's and O's. It's just if you can get that running game going, those DBs are in big trouble covering the play action.
1: Right. I mean, they really are. It's, um, you know, it's – uh. I don't know, you know, um, you know, I have got, I've got you. I got to put you on hold for one second. I know sure. you hate this, You're but good. I have to.
0: Go ahead. We'll wait for Coach Levitt to j- rejoin us here in just a minute. Uh, got, got a call he had to take, but yeah, we're just talking Georgia TCU. Just the def- the, the tremendous uh, effort by uh, Coach Munkin and that offensive staff and Kirby Smart. You just saw a championship performance by Georgia last night i mean that's why they are the 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 elite program that they are so uh yeah you saw just domination by the bulldogs and we're going to get back to coach Levin here in just a second here um are we back? Yeah, you're good, Coach. Welcome back. I'm
1: so sorry. I had uh, It's okay. I had a little thing. I had a, I had to answer that.
0: <laughs> no problem that, at all. That's
1: part of the real world, right? That's it, man. Technology.
0: It's <laughs> the beauty of this technology. No, okay, so
1: now I can focus in on the 3-3. You know, they've been pretty good. I've always felt like it's a defense that might be able to accommodate, and they did the, uh, against the spread. I went West Virginia ran that defense against us when I was at South Florida. I always felt like we could run the ball on them. I was surprised that Michigan wasn't able to, uh, that was impressive, but, uh, Georgia, uh, gassed them at times on the outside of the perimeter, uh, sealed some plays. Uh, they started to pop a few things inside when they pulled trapped and did some counter. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I've always thought that the, the defense at three three was a good defense, but not a great scheme. But um it sure got TCU to the championship game. They played you know, but you know, Michigan got five hundred something yards in that. Yeah in that defense. So I um but Sonny wanted to run that three three. That's something he wanted to do, and it got they got all the way to the national championship game when nobody ranked TCU, nobody expected them to do anything. So were, give them all the credit in the world.
0: They were two hundred to one odds, coach, when the season started to make the national title to win the national title, two hundred to one. All right, how about that? All right, as a coach, in a game like last night, I don't care what scheme you're running. At what point in that game do you realize, uh-oh, we are just outmanned, and I got we got no chance here to stop these guys?
1: Well, when it was ten nothing, you started getting a little worried. <laughs> you know, I mean, the busted coverage helped going in there and scoring. me at right. seven. Right, but but you always want to start off fast in a game, and you know uh, TCU didn't do anything on their first possession. But then, you know Georgia. Uh, I think they got stopped, and then Georgia went to work. I, now I, I don't know if they did get stopped. But I don't think they got stopped on first think so. half. Yeah, you know. But uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, what is that
0: feeling like? What is that feeling like when you're in the defensive call, when you're the play caller on defense, and you know, I don't care what I call in this call sheet, we're in big trouble here.
1: Yeah, it's not a good feeling. I was that way at SMU a year ago when we played Cincinnati at Cincinnati. You know, they are just so good two years ago. And they, you know, won all their games. And, um, you know, we just – nothing seemed to work. Now, I haven't been – fortunately, I haven't been in that situation that many times. Right. But I've been there. And it's it's a horrific feeling. And it's tough, you know, because those guys – those players are embarrassed. Those coaches are embarrassed, and they got to live with it for the rest of the year until they start playing games. You know, they'll talk about the season a lot and, and how well they they uh, they did, which they should. They had a great year, but um, well, that's a tough one, the last game like that
0: just okay. really is. Let's talk a little Stetson Bennett from Georgia. This kid was a kid that you know, walk on, former walk on, no. He stuck it out at Georgia, Give the kid all the credit. He had to go to junior college, came back, still didn't get an opportunity, still didn't get an opportunity. He took advantage of the opportunity he did get the last two years. MVP of all four playoff games that he played in. He was the the, the MVP. Just talk about a kid like Stetson Bennett. I know you, you've you been around a lot of kids like that that are under-recruited and all that stuff. What a tribute to that kid to hang in there.
1: Yeah, i would tell you what, Stetson did a great job. Uh, you know, I was so impressed with him, uh, with his feet, his ability to keep plays alive, to keep his eyes downfield. Uh, I, I mean, so, so impressed with him. And, and uh, I mean, I mean, he's just a gamer, and he's tough, and he's a competitor. And, and um, I mean, you saw the resilience of him in the Ohio State game. I mean, Ohio State, you know, they hit the fugal. obviously. Ohio State's in that championship game. Now, what do you think they're thinking right now? But I mean, um, but he he willed that team back to to win, you know, and I just I'm I was so impressed with him. I just, you know, we'll see what happens in the NFL, whether he'll measure up and do the things he can do in the NFL. I, um, you know, he kind of reminds me of Drew Brees a little bit. You know what I mean? Because Drew Brees is not that big and he's mobile and Drew Brees is just a heck of a quarterback. Yep. You know, when he's at with Purdue
0: and um, the, so kid, we'll Brock Purdy, the, the kid for the 49ers right now, Brock Purdy, undersized, yep. little guy. I mean, he's doing it. You're right. So,
1: you know, that this will be a fun story to see, you know, how he does. And there's some, there's some really small quarterbacks. that are doing pretty well in the NFL. So, you know, I mean, with, with, you know, the offenses are changing in the NFL and they're, you know, adapting more to the, you know, the mobile quarterback, you know, you look at Mahomes and what can't see for able to do. So uh,
0: I wouldn't, I wouldn't put anything past this guy. He's, he's, he's impressive. And the sad and this, and this funny part is this this kid's going to go down in the lore of Georgia football as the greatest Georgia football player potentially of all time over Herschel over all these legendary guys, a little walk on from Blackshear, Georgia, win two national titles in a row Going to never have to pay for a meal again in his life in Athens, <laughs> a beverage, anything this guy wants, he'll be able to get, you know, in the state of Georgia. Just, it's just a great story of college football and perseverance.
1: No, it really is. And just think about, just think about right now, he's, he probably didn't sleep at all last night. I mean, I wouldn't have if I was him Yeah, and he's just probably just going to stay on a cloud for a little while until you know, he starts preparing for the NFL. Right. Uh, but what an incredible story.
0: It's just such a great story. Yeah, it really is. All right, like in the comment you made, is, is so is so apropos. What is Ohio State? I mean, as bad as that game was last night, they were that they were that close to knocking off Georgia a week ago in a ga- In a game, they really dominated most of the game. They did. You
1: know, I was very surprised Georgia won that game, and I thought Ohio State played like they did at the beginning of the year, which is what Georgia did when they played Oregon you know, earlier, they just, everything, you know, they just, they just played really well. Uh, and, you know, it's just, Georgia's just that, that good. They're really, really good. But Ohio state's really good. And, you know, who really is the best team out there? Right. You know, you got to wonder how Michigan beat the dog at Ohio state, you know, in the big 10 right. championship game. And, you know, like, uh, like we started this podcast a long time ago. I always said, just like with South Florida, you should have had Florida beat, you know, in Cincinnati. Right. Right. I mean, any one game, any one game, you just
0: don't know. You That's can right. win if you just got everybody going. That's right. All right, one more coaching question and we'll move on to the NFL. Kirby Smart, two-time national champion now. Obviously, in most people's eyes, he's he's kind of taken the mantle as, as the program of now, how do you, if you're Kirby smart, I know, I know you got, you coaches are always about the grind, but how do you not mentally want to say, I'm, t- I'm going to take a week off. We're not doing nothing guys. We're going to celebrate and enjoy this. And I get it coaches. You guys always want to be doing the next thing, recruiting all that. Don't you have to just say, Hey guys, we're going to take a few days off and not even think about football and enjoy this, for what a great job they've done.
1: <clears throat> no, I mean, you're going <laughs> to take, you're going to take tonight. Maybe last night, and, um, no, and the, and the coaches know that they got to get through the sixth sign date. Okay. Um, and then, then what I would do is I would, and I used to do that with my staffs. I didn't give them, I gave them a week vacation after, <clears throat> after the sign date in February. Okay. So if it was the first Wednesday or, or February 1st, I always gave our staff, always gave them four weeks off three weeks in the summer. And then a, a week after sign date. Say so had four weeks and, and then the, the rest of it's, the coaches and especially strike when the iron's hot, you know, right now, those coaches are going to want to go out and recruit. They're going to want to try to get those top players. Those, you know, there's two or three players probably there. Trying to side between Alabama, Georgia, uh, you know, uh, Texas, o- USC, <clears throat> right. Those schools. And you've got to grind it out. And, and as a head coach, you, you bring your staff together. You're congratulating them. You tell them, hey, I love you guys so much, but we, you understand we got to grind it out. I'll give you time after the signing date. So I believe that's probably what will
0: happen. Okay. Is it nice to get one of those nice bonus checks, whether it's an NFL playoff check or a nice big big uh national championship bonus check that I'm sure these coaches have in their contracts? That's a pretty nice feeling, huh?
1: Oh, there's no doubt about it. You know, I got three of them with the Niners. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, we went to the championship game, three MC championship games and Super Bowl, so – that extra money was always fun to get. So I, I certainly understand that.
0: <laughs> All right, let's transition to the NFL playoffs. And it's it's go time now in the NFL. Right. You, you've lived this life. You know it. Talk to me about preparation in and, in you know, just team preparation in a playoff week versus a regular week. How much different is it than a normal week 10 preparation or a big game in the regular season as opposed to a playoff game? What's any differences in preparation? Oh,
1: there's a lot of differences, and you know, I mean, you're you're gonna stay with your same stuff that you've been doing because that's your foundation. Uh, but you're always looking for an edge, and you're always looking for something that you could do that has not been scouted, uh, offensively and defensively, and certainly in the kicking game. But your players are wired like they never have been, and these are grown men that understand what you know the stakes, <laughs> and they understand how much more money they're gonna make as they get through the playoffs. right? Uh, when you go into a playoff game, the demeanor of your players is very different. And again, like I said, I went through it for three years. And, you know, you go in that locker room, and it's very, very different. I mean, the guys are – some guys are so much on edge, you don't want to say a word to them. <coughs> you just don't. Uh, they used to talk about Justin Smith with us at the Niners. I'll never forget Jim Tom Sula. The first year we went to playoffs when I hadn't been in the NFL – he comes up to me and says, "Whatever you do, don't say a word to Justin Smith." <laughs> and I go, "You know, because I usually went around, you know, <clears throat> you know, shook hands with all the players." He said, "Just don't get near Justin Smith. <laughs> he is—he gets into a mood that he might haul off and just hit you just because he wants to hit somebody." <laughs> and so I, I remember it wasn't all that way, but I remember the first year I—I I saw Justin locker room, I went the other way. I didn't say a word to him, and then you know, as I got around the team wide. Well, yeah, you know, I, I talked to Justin a little bit, but I didn't say much. Those guys, they know how to prepare. These guys are growing men, they're in the Super Bowl that been through great programs. They know how to prepare. They know how to prepare themselves physically and mentally.
0: So I would assume physically you're probably going to do a lot of walkthroughs, not very little um, now, you know, contact. It's all going to be just kind of walkthrough mental stuff. Do you guys focus on, to me, if I'm a, I'm a defensive guy and offensive guy, is red zone and third down the two areas that you really spend a lot of time on? Well, you always do anyway.
1: You know, you're always going to have your your third down, third and long, third and medium, third and short, and certainly your red zone. As you build it in, we call our – you know, you see on announcers, they say red zone starts at 20. We never started red zone until the 15. And uh, so you're going to have a series of play, plays from the 15, from the 12, from the 10, you know, from the 8, from the six from the four, from the three, two, and one. And you're going to work those pretty hard. You know, that's that's just part of the deal. And um, you're, you're going to work it like always. The contact, there's not going to be much contact. Some of the players are going to want to get some hits on their own, their own in their own way, because they don't want to just go in without something. But remember, it's a long season. You're playing 23, 24 games if you get to the Super Bowl. Sure. So those guys, their bodies are, are a lot of times, you know, they, they've got to take care of their body in a special way, but they're beat up a little bit, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, you're right. I mean, you guys aren't going to be doing much. What about the, uh, you know, the travel perspective of this? I mean, I know it's a normal. You, these guys are used to traveling, but again, you got you got the Chargers having to come all the way across country to Jacksonville. You got Dallas having to go from Washington last week now to Tampa next Monday night. How, does that play any effect? will will, you, will teams leave a day early to give those guys another extra day to rest? How do you, will they travel any differently? Yeah, I think a lot of those
1: teams will leave a day early. Um,
0: and again, more time.
1: Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not a part of these teams right now, but uh, and we never really had trouble all the way across the country. Well, we played Atlanta to get to the Super Bowl, uh, and I, you know, what I'm trying to remember if we left two days earlier or not. I don't remember, but I'm I'm sure they will. Uh, I would, right, You know, to make sure your players could get there and got enough rest. Uh, you know, and, and anymore, it's more of a mental preparation anyway studying the scouting reports, uh, you know, you, you really probably had a, a cut-up film that you're going to show them that have all the the top plays um, <clears throat> that you're working on, mostly first, second down plays. Uh, and then you're going to have a cut-up of, like you said, the third down plays and the red zone plays. Now, those will be, those will be, you know, you'll practice against them on the field, but you'll also
0: have a cut-up of those plays. When you When you are scouting a team in the playoffs – do you scout formations or do you scout particular players? Like, Hey, we want to go after that left, that left cornerback, or we want to go after that right guard. Is it more formationally or is it particular players or both?
1: Uh, it's both, you know, you're going to go by formation, but you also go against down and distance and field position. And then you're also going to have cutups to the top players, the running backs. You know, you're going to certainly have maybe a cut of the quarterback, you know, on, on some of the mechanics that he has and, you know, you know, trying to find a weakness of him moving to the right or moving to the left, you know, or um, particular offensive
0: lineman struggles with certain yeah. twists and
1: that kind of stuff. Yeah, no doubt, those things are. Uh, it's a microscope, and you're 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 probably not sleeping much as a coach. You're going to go to three or four in the morning, you know, Jeez. just studying the film and trying to find
0: indicators for your players. How about, how about if it's an opponent you've already played, like San Francisco's playing Seattle. They've already seen him twice. I mean, at what point can you say, hell, we're not going to be able to come up with anything new. We've shown everything we're going to show. Is it more just about who's the better players, or are you really still thinking there's ways to figure out an additional nuance scheme or an additional nuance call you can make or not make? No, uh, you want
1: you want a nuance. <clears throat> you're, you're Especially if you played him twice already you really want to you want to do some self report or self study and look at what what you've done and what you've called in the last two games and you know so you know what they're looking at and you definitely especially when you play them a couple times ahead, you want to look at some things you can do differently uh to try expose something you know an offense or defense or kicking
0: and like you said, like and the last part of this equation is the coaching part of things game management decisions by these head coaches I mean, how important is that in these playoff games? And we've seen it, whether it's coaches using timeouts at in inopportune times, not challenging, challenging when they probably shouldn't challenge all these things that are critical. And you got some young coaches, some some you got, you know, in for example, you got D- Doug Peterson, a championship coach versus Brandon Staley, first ever playoff game. Talk about that, that dynamic of of the coaching part of things.
1: Well, I I think it's all important,
0: you know. I think coaching is very important. I mean, you look at the call that
1: um was made with the Saints when they opened the second half of the onside kick, right in the Super Bowl, and you tell me that wasn't a big play? Well, of course it was. And that and what what uh, I mean to to make that call is tough. You know, I don't know. It's it's
0: you know everything's on
1: the line. You're in a Super Bowl for goodness sakes. I, I think you've got to you you've got to coach. Uh, I mean, you got to be smart what you do. You can't you know, do some foolish things, but you got you to gotta
0: play to win, you know, and you got to
1: be aggressive in your calls.
0: That's I the thing. Think. Our coach is going to play to win or play to survive. That's the, to me, that's what separates these great coaches. The coaches that are aggressive. You saw Sunday night, Dan Campbell ran a little flea flicker play at the end of the game. I mean, and I know he didn't have anything on the line, but he played to win the game. He wasn't going to give Rogers the ball back. He he was he went for it to win the game.
1: You know, I was so impressed with them. And I know Aaron Glenn really well, the D coordinator at, with Detroit. And in fact, at one point in my career, I thought I was going to end up there. But, um, you know, I text Aaron because I thought the um, players played with so much passion. They did. You know, and I, I was impressed with that. And, uh, you know, I know you appreciate that. But it's, uh, I was really impressed with Detroit. And I, I watched their hard knocks before the season started. Yeah, and I kind of followed them a little bit, you know, because of Aaron. The, um, uh, I thought they did a great job. I watched that game really close, and I agree with you. I thought they, I thought they coached extremely well. I thought they had their players ready to play, and uh, you know, they just
0: they outplayed Green Bay, and when Green Bay had everything on the line, they did, they did. All right, Coach, give me give me a who do you, give me a sleeper team in the, in both conferences that you like that you think. Could do a little damage. I know a lot of a lot of talk down here. We got the, Dallas is coming to Tampa next Monday night. Are you going to the game? Uh, I'm probably not going go to go this game
1: Monday night game. My girls, you know, I'll, I'll, it's just too much, and uh, but I'll watch it. Yeah, they're going to want
0: to go to the Monday night game now. Come on, they they already asked game. me, but they
1: already asked. <laughs> uh, I I think the Bucks. Uh, I think the Bucks. I I got to pull for them. You know, they haven't. I mean, they, they keep pulling things out at the end of these games, but they played so well against Carolina that, you know, they're. I know they're probably feeling confident. I know the Atlanta game, I get that. But, you know, they. they I knew they weren't going to play a lot of their top players. So, yeah. you know, that – and psychologically you don't want to. You don't want to anybody hurt, but also if things don't go well, you want to keep the confidence. But you got to watch out for those those 49ers. Boy, they're playing well. They are. And their defense, you know. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, Kansas City's always so good. You know, and so um, what, interesting.
0: What'd you think when you saw the Buffalo run for a kickoff, back for a touchdown? After yeah, that? Opening, what an emotional opening, moment! I didn't huh? even,
1: yeah, I didn't even mention Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo's wow, what, how good are they? So, I don't know what, how this is going to play out. It's going to be fun to watch.
0: All right, Coach. We well, appreciate the time. We'll be we we, I'll, I'm, we may get you one more time during the playoffs. Get you get a little playoff analysis from you. Great job throughout the year. Hope everything's going well. And if those let those girls stay up a little late one night to watch to watch <laughs> that Bucks cowboy game. <laughs> all right. We'll see you. All right, Coach. We'll see you, we'll see you soon. Take okay. care. All right. We'll be right back on Powers on Sports Podcast. Are you in the market for a new home as we enter the fall? First-time home buyer, you want to upsize or downsize your current living situation? Reach out to Titan Home Lending for all of your home lending needs. If you need an FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo, or even a bank statement loan, Titan is the place to help you. We will work with whatever financial situation you are dealing with. Again, from Key West to Pensacola to Orlando to everywhere in between, Titan Home Lending is your home lending source in the state of Florida. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. Have a great week.